I just want to say just, you know, what Artem was saying about trust and so on. We're talking about giving to him. When we do give to him, we trust that the anointing that's on him. You saw when he did the announcement, that was, that was good. But when he started preaching, did you see the anointing come on him? Did you see that it shifted? And that's who we're sending out onto the campus to shift all these young people out there to God. So that was amazing. And if you ask this guy where he was a year ago and what God has done in his life and what he's been set free to do now because of the grace of God, give to that man. Okay, um, in my preparation for, for this week and next week, I'm doing both weeks, um, it has been a whirlwind of just ups and downs and getting words and, and no words, so I really have no idea what I'm going to be saying to you, but we, we will start in Ephesians 3 and we'll see where God takes it from there. It's not for a lack of not trying. But it, it's, we'll start off there. I'm reading from the New King James. We're going to read the whole chapter, all 20 verses of Ephesians 3. So now in some Bibles, you can see at the top of a chapter, there will be, hey guys, there will be a dark, uh, a heading, which is not in the original word. So you can go to different, even translations will have a different heading above different chapters. And you can go to different countries and it will be translated differently. So what I'm going to do for today's message, whatever the heading in your Bible is, I'm going to take that out. And I'm going to write the heading on top of Ephesians 3 is going to be the great invite. Okay. The great invite. Invitation. The great invite. So let's read this whole chapter. Ephesians chapter 3, this is from the New King James. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known, to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ, Jesus our Lord, 
in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole heaven, the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay. Uh, three weeks ago, every state in America, they have what they call a hog rally. Hog stands for Harley Davidson Owners Group. And every state has a rally. And three weeks ago, it was the Virginia State Rally. So I went to this rally. And it starts on Wednesday because of work. I couldn't go on Wednesday. I went as soon as I could. And Friday morning, I'm sitting in my bedroom. We're doing a lunch ride at about 11.30. And I've had breakfast. And I'm in my it's a little motel room at 10 o'clock. So I have an hour and a half before I need to leave for the lunch ride. So I take my Bible and I just start spending time with God. I've got an hour and a half before we do our lunch ride. And I'm in this little room. And people will say, quiet time. Now, I throw the word quiet out very gently because there are bikes up and down. There's noise there. So, But you know, the, the Bible talks about we have a revelation of a verse, the law of double reference. One verse can mean different things to different people. So in the part where the prophet goes into the cave because he's running away from the mad lady that wants to kill him, and the Bible says God came, it wasn't in the whirlwind, it wasn't in the fire, it was in a small voice. Now to me, that verse means, because it means to most people, you know, you're looking for the big miraculous thing of God, but he always speaks in a small voice. To me, that verse could also mean that even if there is a big noise, even if there is a tornado, even if they, you know, doesn't matter what's going on around you, that doesn't deter and, and make God unable to speak to you. So there are these bikes flying up and down the road outside the motel. They're doing all kinds of things, and I, I'm, I'm just quiet with God, and, and God spoke to me. And he gave me this whole chapter, and it's based on him inviting us. It's a partnership that we enter with God. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. So as we're sitting there, myself and the Lord just, I start reading this, and this chapter is so famous. I mean, many of us can quote a lot of this chapter if you've been in the church for any time. So we'll go here, verse 8. We, we're going to jump around a little bit. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. Now, please, Paul is not here banging himself and saying, I'm so bad, I shouldn't. He's literally saying, I killed Christians. 
You know, because what happens is so many times the enemy comes and he makes us feel bad. And now we have what we think is humility, but it's actually pride when we put ourselves down because we want people to say, oh, no, no, you're really that good. And then you say, no, no, I'm not really. And you want people to say, oh, no, truly, that was, that's pride. You want people to, to say to you how great you are. So Paul is not doing this, oh, I'm the least of all. He's not. He's literally saying, I kill people. When I met the Lord Jesus Christ, I was on the way to capture women and children, take them to the high priest so that they could be murdered. But God gave this grace to me that I can give it to you. So he's just talking about the grace of God, the goodness of God. He's not putting himself down. But then he goes on and he says, who am less than the least of the saints, this grace. Praise God for grace. This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. This God of ours, this supernatural being, this powerhouse, this awesome, majestic, God, this Father, our Abba, is so amazing. It's just the more you spend time with him and the more he opens and reveals himself to you and the deeper he allows us to see, he just becomes better and better and better. Because, listen to this, I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches so, Paul, if they're unsearchable, why would we search for them? If it's unsearchable, why search? Why go after something that you can't get? You're wasting your time. There must be something deeper to just face value of. I'm preaching to you the unsearchable riches because he's inviting us. God is inviting us to come and seek Something that many would say is unsearchable, it's not there, it can't be. The unsearchable riches, yet you and I are searching every day of our life. And we found a lot, but we know there's still more to be found. You see, how is it possible that this amazing God, the psalmist can write about him that he says, in your mother's womb, he had his hands in there. Knitting you together. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yet that same God can one day stand and say to you, depart from me because I knew you not. How can that be? How can this God, the psalmist writes, he has more thoughts toward you and I than there are grains of sand in the universe. And each and every one of those thoughts is good. Yet one day he can stand in front of someone and say, depart from me because I never knew you. How, how can that be? How is it possible that he can write to the prophet, he said, before I formed you, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. But he can one day say to people, depart from me because I never knew you. He's just that amazing because he can do it. But you see, even, even those things where it's spoken about, where Jesus says, depart from me, I grew up in fearful Christianity. I was scared that I would be the one that Jesus says, depart from me because I knew you not. 
But what that is saying is because I had my hands in your mother's womb, because every thought of me towards you is a good one, because I knew you before you were formed and I gave you your name, you can be the one that I say, come in, good and faithful servant. It's my father's pleasure to give the keys of the kingdom to you. So people read and they take one verse or two verses at face value and they say, I'm not going to search any deeper in this. And you know what? We all have a free will and God's going to allow you to choose whatever so you want. How is it possible that when we speak of our father of faith, Abram, where it comes, the Bible says, where there was no hope, Romans chapter 4, yet in hope he believed. That's a ridiculous statement in the English language. So people will read that and they will say, this book doesn't make sense. This book is trash. Where there's no hope in hope he believed. But when you search deeper and you want to know more, God will open himself and reveal to you what he's saying. Because if you're 100 years old and your wife, there's no way in the natural that there is a possibility of having a child. There's no hope in the natural, yet the word that God speaks over you brings hope. And he trusted in the word of God that was spoken over him that brought the hope, that brought forth the promised child. Where there was no hope, in hope he believed. See, you and I can go to this, the word, and we can get hope for any situation. Because you see, natural reasoning, the, 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 the mind the medical, the doctors, the banker, the CEO of the company, CNN, Fox, the newspaper, they may say, man, this is bad. We are in dark times. It's getting worse. There's nothing that we can do. We must just, there is no hope. <laughs> Yet in hope we believe. And the doctor only knows so much. Praise God for doctors. Doctors are great. but they don't know everything. They're doing their best to help you and I. That's what they most of them. But their level of medicine ends at a certain height. A and Jesus starts there. <laughs> so if they would look you in the eye and say, listen here, here is an MRI. You have a tumor the size of a golf ball in your wherever. And it's impossible for you to make it. You've got three or four or five months. There's no hope in the natural. I'm not discarding that. I'm not. But where there is hope is in the stripes of Jesus. That trumps the tumor. So Paul says, he says, this grace was given to me to preach to you the unsearchable riches. And you and I have a choice to read that verse and say, well, if they're unsearchable, then I'm not going to waste my time. Or we can say if they're unsearchable, they must be so amazing that God said, come deeper and look. Deep calls unto deep. And I will, as you look, I will open myself. That's what revelation is. Jesus, the word, revealing himself to you and I. There's nothing sweeter than that. I've done a lot of drugs. I have done a lot of things that people say, man, there is nothing that beats that. But when you read a verse or you hear that voice and he opens himself to you, 
and you've got that revelation. P people say there is no high like the Most High, but that, that is it. That is it. So sitting in a little motel room, noise around people, smoking at the door and doing stuff, and he opens himself in that place. Because it doesn't matter where you are with him. If you are with him, that place is holy. You know, Bill Bennett always talks about the everywhereness of his thereness. And you, if God calls you to go to a club, if God calls you to go to a bar, where you go, that place becomes holy because you and the kingdom are there. Don't go to the bar and the club if you're not called. But if he has called you there, that place becomes holy because you're on a mission sent from heaven. That's revelation. And Paul says, these unsearchable riches, go after them and look. Dig deeper. You think you've seen something amazing? There's more. So he says, I have received this grace for the unsearchable riches of Christ, which means the anointed one and his anointing. To make how many see? There we go. These unsearchable riches I can preach to you to make all see. There's not one that can say, well, that's not for me. God doesn't talk to me like he does to you. I'm not an apostle. I'm not this. He says, this grace was given to me so that all can see. So that all can receive these unsearchable riches. He says that all may see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Because so many people are so perplexed about Jesus and God and the Trinity and all. And Paul calls it, we can have fellowship, koinonia, with this mystery. So that it's not a mystery anymore. It's revealed. He says in this chapter, in times past, it was a mystery. Prophets, they couldn't, they could see it, but they didn't live it. We are living it today. It's not a mystery anymore. Jesus Christ, God the Father, Holy Spirit, thinks that you are so amazing, that you are so loved, that you are just absolutely so wonderful that he would give his absolute all, his life, hang on a cross to win you back because you're a son and a daughter. Where's the mystery in that? You are amazing. And he says, this has been given to me so that all of you, and not even all of you just in this building, all can search after these so-called unsearchable riches. How much are we really searching? Look here in, in verse 3, he says, How by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge. Wow! These are not just words on a page. When you and I read, we can have the same knowledge as the Apostle Paul. Because people will say, man, that Paul, he was, he was, and he was. But what made him so phenomenal? The grace and call of God in his life, the invitation, and him saying, yes, amen, I will do it. That's what made him so amazing, is him wholeheartedly receiving that invitation from Christ and saying, I'm going to give my whole life to follow this invitation and search for everything that he has for me. Good times, bad times, doesn't matter what happens, I'm in. All chips on the table, I'm done. And now he says, you and I can have the same knowledge as him by reading this book. Why? 
because Holy Spirit will open to you what he opened to Paul. Do you believe that? Because that's another unsearchable part of the riches. Or are we the ones that would say, man, Paul could do that, you know, I just I really don't, the Bible, I don't understand, it doesn't make sense. Holy Spirit is there. He can open, he can make sense of what you don't make sense of. He can do that. But we search, we go after this, so that all can see the fellowship of the mystery. And then he goes on how it was hidden. But the whole thing for me started when I came down to verse 14. Because when I got saved in 1992, people told me there's, there's certain parts of the Bible you must read. You must daily. This is your confession. So Colossians 1. I pray the Father of glory would open the eyes of my understanding. I mean, we can quote these. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians, yeah, this verse. There are just so many parts of the Bible where Psalms 91, every day you read this. And I did it since 1992. So I can quote a lot of this stuff, not because I'm so great, just by repetition. So I'm sitting there in the motel and I'm reading this and I get down to verse 14 and I read 14 to 21. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of him. And for the first time in my life, I read that, and this doesn't make any sense at all. God just jumbled the words and the meaning around to where I was thinking, this, this is so not God. This, this, is not, this can't be right. Why would Paul be doing this? If God wants us to have all of this, why is Paul praying that we can have it? If God is a good father and he wants his spirit to dwell in us and us to have faith in our hearts, why does Paul pray that we can have this? That this doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up because he's a good father. Do you not want good things for your kids? Yes, you do. And he's the ultimate father. So doesn't he want the greatest things for us? Yes, he does. But Paul prays and he says, I pray that he would. I pray that he may. It's not a done deal. And he's talking to the church. He's talking to people that are saved. Christ is dwelling in their hearts by faith already because they've received him as Lord and Savior. And what God showed me here is he says, this is the great invitation. This is that you can come to a point where my love in you becomes so great that you can actually live your life through my love. But man, there are going to be times where you're going to have to lay down yourself, your will, your way of doing things to receive my way of doing things and for that to come through you. Are you willing to receive that invitation, Rifle? Are you willing? Because you know a little. You've seen a little, and I have. And the reason why I was praying this is because there are things happening in my life now that, that I know so much that I don't know. I know so much 
that I don't know. There's just so much that I, I don't see. And I see stuff. I've seen stuff. I've seen God. I've seen miracles. But, but something wider is opening. There's an invitation to say, do you want more? Because just, I don't know, three weeks, a month ago, Sunday afternoon, my sister phones me, a little, a little baby. <laughs> a baby we were praying for came to the healing rooms as soon as they did the, the scan in the mommy's tummy, they found these irregularities. And long story short, my sister phones me Sunday afternoon, please can you come down to MCV? Doctors have pulled this plug. The baby's gone to be with the Lord. But the parents believe that if we pray, baby will come back to life. I'm like, glory to God. Yes, I'd love to go. So I'm riding down to MCV in the car, and I'm, I'm just praising God. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. Man, to raise someone from the dead. Hallelujah, Jesus. Long story short, I'm, I'm, if, if I can get my hands on that baby, that baby will come to life. Not because of me, but I know who he is. Because it's the same spirit that raised me up from a bed and a wheelchair when I had MS and should not be doing what I'm doing today. It's that very same spirit that's going to raise up that baby. There's no difference. So I believe in the power, the healing, loving, graceful power of God. Long story short, had the baby probably for 40 minutes in my arms. Didn't happen. I missed it somewhere because he never misses it. Healing always comes. Those stripes paid. Before that baby was ever formed, God had a good plan with a future and a hope for that child. So why does this happen? I do not know, but I'm searching for those unsearchable riches. It's an invitation because I've seen, I've seen some stuff, but I've seen stuff not happen. And it's my choice, Jesus said, you have an invitation to go deeper, to find out why it's not working, to go in and say, Lord, show me, give me that wisdom day after day, because you know it's real. And that's the problem when you know something is real and it's there and it should be working and it's not working. That's the, you're undone when you've reached that part that he's real, man, healing is his will. Why does it, I don't, invitation, come deeper, come deeper. Come deeper. Are we willing? Are you willing, Rifle, sitting there? Are you willing to go for those unsearchable riches that people will come and say, doesn't work, I've tried, I've said this before, what if, what may? Come deeper. So I'm reading this part of Scripture, and I'm praying for myself to know that that love of God. Because if Jesus was there, that baby would come. That baby would come to life. I'm his body. Where am I missing it? Show me, Lord Jesus. And the invitation is, he comes and he says, from who the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you. Paul, that's a ridiculous prayer. Why? Why would he grant you? Why doesn't he just give it? Because we have free will and we can decide how much of him do we want. How far can we push that line to say, you know what, I can only go that far and I'm not going any further. And then when you get to that line, do you push it further again and say, I'm going to go more? Or do you say, no, I can't. You know, when you train, you go to gym or you run, whatever, I can only do one mile. And, and, and it takes so long because one mile looks impossible. But when you finished your first mile, now you think, you know what, I can do 1.2 miles. Are you going to push that line further? Are you going to change the border of your limits? Or are you going to say, well, I've done a mile, I'm finished now. And it's the same here. 
That's what he's saying. You've seen some stuff and you believe. Now, you've seen some stuff that didn't work, but how far are you willing to go and say, you know what, I'm going to push that board. I, I want to know more. I, I want to go deeper. And he goes on here and he says, uh, that he would grant according to the riches of his glory. It's his will that we walk in this. This is the Father's good pleasure. He wants us to walk in all of this. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Jesus is cheering us on. The Father is there. Holy Spirit is here on earth saying, I want to strengthen you. I want to be in the inner man. I want to give you this. Open up. Are you willing? Receive the invitation. How much do you want? Because we'll go on to read. He says, that which you can believe, I can do exceedingly abundantly beyond. So as soon as you think I've reached that border, I can't anymore, he will say, there's more. I can do more than that. What's your biggest dream, child of God? Right now, what's your biggest dream? Is it to pay the bill at the end of the month? Is it to be healed from some other sickness or disease? Is it to have your family restored? What's your biggest dream right now? And God would say to you, I am able to do exceedingly, beyondly above what you are believing me for right now. that we may be strengthened through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He already does. He already does. Paul is writing to a people that Christ already dwells in their hearts through faith. But you know what? Christ just becomes bigger. And he, you understand what I'm saying? It's not that He grows, but we grow in Him and our understanding of Him. And faith grows. And what we could do last year, we should be doing better right now. What we believe for last year, we should be believing for more right now because our faith grows. And we've all been there. Man, if I can only do that one day and then you do that and you look back and say, wow, look what God has done. I don't swear anymore. Wow, cuss. I don't cuss anymore. Gee whiz, that man, God is alive. <laughs> Miracles happen. But then when you get to that point where you don't cuss anymore, do you just stop and say, well, I don't cuss. Say, Ooh. Or do you say, now, what can I use my language further for? Push the boundary further. And you grow and you grow into these unsearchable riches. And as soon as you think you've made, okay, I just don't want to cuss. Now you've got there, Christ says, there's an invitation. Do you want deeper? Do you want more? Do you want your words, not just not to cuss and swear, but to heal? Oh, Jesus, is that possible? Come deeper. Come deeper. Do you want your words to be able to speak to tornadoes and weather? Or do you not believe that? Oh, yes, come deeper. Come deeper. Unsearchable riches. Let's go searching. Let's go looking because they're there and they're waiting. So he says that Christ may dwell in your heart. And then he says, yeah, to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. To know the love of Christ. That word know there is gnosko, which means to have an intimate relationship with. In Genesis 4, 1, I believe, where Adam knew Eve, that, that's the word that is used there. To, to have an intimate relationship with the love of Christ. And I'm just now, now, now coming into a, a deeper revelation of how much God loves me. 
and I've been preaching for quite some time. I've been saying that for so many years, and now I know so much that I don't know. <laughs> and just the, the immense love that he has for me, that literally now when I walk down the street, I realize that he loves me while I'm walking. Not doing anything. I'm going to the car, <laughs> and he loves me. To that point now, my eyes are only opening to that now, to the point where just get to the car and just, man, you just love me. I just walk to the car and you love me. But he says to know, to have an intimate relationship with that love. And that love is the agape love, which is unconditional. To have an intimate relationship with the unconditional love that your daddy has for you. He says, that is what I pray, that you, Father's not going to just drop it on you. He's inviting you, and he's saying, come and search for these unsearchable riches. Come and look for the depth of my love. But in doing that, you're going to have to lay down a couple of things in your life if you want to walk in the fullness of my love. And so many of us get that invitation, and we think, nah, I can't do that. That's too hard. That's too much. To live like Jesus did, to turn the other cheek, that's not the way I was brought up. But praise God, we can renew the mind. It's an unsearchable, rich part of God that you get to the point where you can literally walk away from a fight and just say, I, I want no part in this. God bless you. That's the love that he says that you must have an intimate relationship with that love, which passes knowledge. How much do you know today? You know what? You're going to know so much more next year this time. But the love of Christ passes even that. And in Ephesians 2, it talks about one day, even in heaven, he's going to be in the time and the ages to come. He's going to be keep on revealing, keep on revealing, keep on revealing his goodness and love towards us. It's never, ever going to end. And as soon as you think you know something, he's going to show you something, and then you're going to know that you know nothing. Because even in heaven, we're going to do something. We're going to be working. We're going to accomplish something in heaven, and we're going to go to Jesus, and we're going to say, this is in the Word, and say, man, Lord, that is amazing. That's awesome. Because Ephesians 3 verse 20 is true in heaven, like it is here on earth. And he's going to say, you think that's a lot? I can do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can ask or think. Go and do this. And we're going to be doing that and we're going to finish that work. And a million years later, we'll come back and say, Jesus, we finished that. This is amazing. And he'll say, do you think that's amazing? Take the next trillion years and go and do this. And it's just going to build and get better and get better. Why? Because we have received the invitation to go deeper and search for the unsearchable riches of God. So I was sitting there in the room and I'm just thinking, this does not make sense. Why would he pray that God would give this to us? And Holy Spirit just, just so gently, just so quiet, just said, it's, it's an invitation. I'm inviting you. Not going to always be easy. It's not going to always be nice. But how much of that love of Christ do you want to walk in? Because it surpasses your knowledge. And whatever knowledge you have of the love of Christ, it's deeper than that. 
but you have to want to walk in that. You have to say yes to the invitation, and you have to go after that because that is my will for you. I want to dwell in your heart even much more than I am right now. I am there, but man, there is so much more. How much more do you want? How much deeper are you willing to go? What is the price you're willing to pay so that I can just live 100% my love through you? So that where you walk, even your shadow will be so filled with love and my anointing that they can put people along the street so that when the shadow passes by, they will be healed. That's in the word. That's not my teaching. That's in the word. That truly happened through men who took that invitation and said, I'm giving it all. I'm taking this invitation. But you see what the enemy does. He comes down and he says, this is too difficult. This is too hard. You can't lay down your life like Jesus. You're too selfish. You got this. You got that. This is going to be so hard. And he always does that. But look at the goodness of God. God will meet you where you are. God works with you at the level of where you are. And each of us are at different levels. So right in the beginning of the book, our father of faith, God says to him, Genesis 12, he says, leave everything, leave your country, leave your people, come and I'll show you a place that you need to go to. And he leaves and, and God says, I will bless. This is God Almighty. He says to Abram, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. What a promise. That, that's for us today as well. We, in Christ, we the, the, the Israelites of today. So God comes. So Abraham has this promise of Almighty God, and he starts moving around, and the Bible says that there was a famine in the land. But even as he's moving out, God appears to him, and he says, there where you walk, I will give you and your descendants this land. And he builds an altar, and he worships God there. And then the Bible says there was a famine in the land, so he flees to Egypt. And we all know the account. He says to his wife, listen here, because you are so hot. Just say that you are my sister, because they are going to kill me to get to you. So please, let it be well with me. You say that you are my sister. After he had the promise of God that God said, whosoever blesses you, I will bless. And who curses you, I will curse. And now he comes in the natural and he says, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's not take God by his word. Let's, let's make a way for ourselves. And that's what the enemy says. When you take this invitation and you say, yes, I'm going to go for it. The enemy is going to come and say, you can't do this. You can't do that. But God will come to you. And what did God do? Man, he gave that king dreams and said to him, you touch that woman. You're a dead man. He doesn't believe in God, doesn't know who God is, wants nothing to do with God, but God got through to him. <laughs> and he woke up and he came to Abram and he said, hey, bro, why did you do this to me? Take this stuff. Take this. God bless you. Oh, bless you, bless you. Please go. God got through to him because in Genesis 12, Abraham accepted the invitation. He made mistakes along the way. There were certain times where he needed to do better. But God didn't say, okay, well, that's, you've blown it now. God went back, and God went back, 
and God went back. And child of God, today God is inviting you and he's saying, do you want, is there an area, can there be places where you are willing to go deeper? And the enemy will come and say, don't go there, don't do that. But if God has to give people dreams because of you and who you are and whose you are, he will do it. So the fear that the enemy is, is trumped by the goodness and the greatness of God. So today, I believe that God is asking all of us. He says, are you willing? Do you want more? He didn't just give that message to me so that I could sit in a motel room and say, wow, the Lord spoke to me. How wonderful. God wants to know today, are you willing to go after those unsearchable riches because I have more for you? And if you are one that says, you know what, there's certain areas of my life, or, or just, yes, I want more, there's more. I accept this invitation, Lord Jesus. I want us, just if that's you, just to stand where you are. Don't have to come to the front. If you're at a place where you, oh, no, I'm not going deeper, this is deep enough for me, then don't stand. But this is just between you and God and saying, Lord, I receive this invitation. Thank you for inviting me. Wasn't it always bad when you were at school and people got invitations to a party and you weren't invited? Didn't you feel out? Didn't you feel hurt? But like Paul writes, he says, these unsearchable riches God has given to me so that all may see. And God says today that invitation, my child, is for you. I want to dwell in your heart with more faith and more strength from the Holy Ghost. I want you to do bigger, and I want you to know more. I want you to have everything your hearts desire because I'm a good God, and I give you the desires of your heart. But you have to receive the invitation and say, yes, that is me, yes, I receive, yes, I take that invitation, I run with it, I'm going to the party. I'm taking this invitation, and wherever the address leads me to, that is where I'm going. And whatever I have to lay down to get to that place, I'm going to lay down. And if you have invited me, it means that that party is already there and planned for. It's available. So Jesus, Abba Father, God the Holy Ghost, we today, we come and we stand to our feet and we say, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for asking me to go deeper in you. Thank you that there is a place in you that I have not reached yet. And I know that I can through your help and through your love and through your grace. And that is what I am going after. Thank you for coming with your kindness as your word says that it's the goodness of you, Abba, that brings us to repentance. And we come now, we stand through sincere hearts and we say yes to your invitation. We come with hearts filled with faith to what we know faith to be this very day. And we say yes to that invitation. We receive you calling us deeper and deeper to more and more. We bless you. And we thank you, Lord, that because we invited, we are appointed and we are anointed to be able to go. You do not invite us. 
You do not extend an invitation without giving the grace and the power to overcome every obstacle that will try and stop us from coming to where you have called us to be. You are just that good. And thank you that you've given us your word so that as we read, we may know the knowledge that Paul had concerning you as you will reveal to us the word, as you will open it up to us because that is who you are. You're the revelator of yourself. So today we come as your children and we say, thank you for inviting me. And I say, yes. We are excited about where you are going to take us, Lord. We're excited about what you are going to do with us and through us and for us. Thank you for a deeper call into a deeper relationship with you that we would have an intimate relationship, an intimate relationship with your unconditional love for each and every one of us. No matter what we've done, no matter what we have not done, it doesn't change your love for us. Thank you that as we walk to our cars, you love us. Thank you that as we sleep, you love us. Thank you that as we drive to work, you love us. Thank you that as we talk to our spouse, you love us. Thank you that as we, we give to the kingdom, you love us. As your word says, we can even make our bed in Hades, but you are there and your love never changes. Thank you for that love, but we pray for a revelation, that we would walk in a revelation of that love. Let it not just be words on a page. But let it be a reality in our hearts that we live through and live by every day. We come today, we say yes, and we thank you for inviting us. We bless you and we love you. We give you all the glory because you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, please come to the front. There will be people that would love to pray with you. Go and take that invitation and go deeper. God bless.